0: Welcome back to the Hemingway List Podcast for Book 6, Chapter 21, The Flirtation Between Andre and Natasha is so glaringly obvious that Pierre and Vera easily notice. Do you think this budding romance is as obvious to everyone else? Will it lead to happiness or despair for the potentially soon-to-be lovers? Is Vera bringing up Natasha's former feelings for Boris in an attempt to push Andre into action? at the beginning of the book, Pierre was shown as quite opinionated. Do you think he will show those traits again in this forthcoming conversation with the general and colonel? I kind of hope so. It's always entertaining when Pierre does Pierre things. Warren Kavoffi says, I guess Andre and Natasha might become a pair after all. The thing that I'm still uncertain of is whether Natasha reciprocates these feelings. She seems to like Andrei well enough, but I'm wondering if this might just be similar to what we've seen between her and Denisov or Boris. Vera seems to be encouraging Andrei to pursue her, though, so I get the impression that maybe the rest of the Rostovs are on board with the courtship. Squirrel 99 says, I definitely think Andrei and Natasha have the hots for each other. Natasha was barely able to breathe around him. I think it had to be obvious to anyone who was paying them any attention. Why would André keep hanging around such a young girl? That has to stand out. I wonder, though, if something will get in the way of them coming together. Um, I would like to see Pierre get animated and passionate again about his opinions. Those were fun times with Pierre. I, yeah, I do agree. I love Pierre. I do think Pierre might be my favorite character in the book because he's always just so fun to watch. He's nice and flawed. He's quite a silly billy, but he is fun to watch. He's a fun-to-watch silly billy. Anyway, this is chapter 22, and it goes like this. Next day, having been invited by the Count, Prince Andrei dined with the Rostovs and spent the rest of the day there. Everyone in the house realized for whose sake Prince Andrei came, and without concealing it, he tried to be with Natasha all day. Not only in the soul of the frightened yet happy and enraptured Natasha, but in the whole house there was a feeling of awe at something important that was bound to happen. The Countess looked with sad and sternly serious eyes at Prince Andrei when he talked to Natasha and timidly stared some, started some artificial conversation about trifles as soon as he looked her way. Sonya was afraid to leave Natasha and afraid of being in the way when she was with him. Natasha grew pale, in a panic of expectation, when she remained alone with him for a moment. Prince Andrei surprised her by his timidity. She felt that he wanted to say something to her but could not bring himself to do so. In the evening, when Prince Andrei had left, the Countess went up to Natasha and whispered, "'Well, what?' "'Mama, for heaven's sake, don't ask me anything now. One can't talk about that,' said Natasha. But all the same... That night, Natasha, now agitated and now frightened, lay a long time in her mother's bed, gazing straight before her. She told her how he had complimented her, how he had told her he was going abroad, asked her where they were going to spend the summer, and then how he had asked her about Boris. But such a... Such a... It never happened to me before, she said, only I feel afraid in his presence. I'm afraid, always when I'm with him. What does that mean? Does it mean that it's the real thing? Yes, Mamma, are you asleep? No, my love, I am frightened myself, answered her mother. Now go. All the same, I shan't sleep. What silliness to sleep. Mummy, mummy, such a thing never happened to me before, she said, surprised and alarmed alarmed at the feeling she was aware of in herself. And could we ever have thought? It seemed to Natasha that even at... The time she first saw Prince Andrei at Otrudnoe, she had fallen in love with him. It was as if she feared this strange, unexpected happiness of meeting again the very man she had, not, had then chosen, she was firmly convinced she had done so, and of finding him, as it seemed, not indifferent to her. And it had to happen that he should come specially to Petersburg while we are here, and it had to happen that we should meet at the ball. It is fate, clearly it is fate, that everything led up to this. Already then, directly I saw him, I felt something peculiar. What else did he say to you? What are those verses? Read them, said her mother, thoughtfully, referring to some verses Prince Andre had written in Natasha's album. Mama, one need not be ashamed of being a widower. Don't, Natasha, pray to God. Marriages are made in heaven, said her mother. Darling mummy, how I love you. How happy I am, cried Natasha, shedding tears of joy and excitement and embracing her mother. At that very time, Prince André was sitting with Pierre and telling him of his love for Natasha and his firm resolve to make her his wife. That day, Countess Helena had a reception at her house. The French ambassador was there and a foreign prince of the blood who had of late become a frequent visitor of hers and many brilliant ladies and gentlemen Pierre, who had come downstairs, walked through the rooms and struck everyone by his preoccupied, absent minded, and morose air. Since the ball, he had felt the approach of a fit of nervous depression and had made desperate efforts to combat it. Since the intimacy of his wife with the royal prince, Pierre had unexpectedly been made a gentleman of the bedchamber, and from that time he had begun to feel oppressed and ashamed in court society, and dark thoughts of vanity, of all things human, came to him oftener than before. At the same time, the feeling he had noticed between the, his protege Natasha and Prince Andre accentuated his gloom by the contrast between his now, by his own position and his friends. He tried equally to avoid thinking about his wife and about Natasha and Prince Andre, and again everything seemed to him, him insignificant in comparison with Eternity. Again the question, for what, presented itself, and he forced himself to work day and night at Masonic labours, hoping to drive away the evil spirit that threatened him. Toward midnight, after he had left the Countess's apartments, he was sitting upstairs in a shabby dressing gown, copying out the original transaction of the Scottish Lodge of Freemasons, at a table in his low room, cloudy with tobacco smoke, when someone came in. It was Prince Andre. Ah, it's you, said Pierre, with a preoccupied, dissatisfied air, and I, you see, am hard at it. He pointed to his manuscript, book, with that air of escaping from the ills of life, with which unhappy people look at their work. Prince André, with a beaming, ecstatic expression of renewed life on his face, paused in front of Pierre, and, not noticing his sad look, smiled at him with the egotism of joy. Well, dear heart, said he, I wanted to tell you about it yesterday, and I have come to do so today. I never experienced anything like it before. I am in love, my friend. Suddenly Pierre heaved a deep sigh and dumped his heavy person down on the sofa beside Prince André. With Natasha Rostova, yes, said he. Yes, yes, who else should it be? I should never have believed it, but the feeling is stronger than I. Yesterday I tormented myself and suffered but I would not exchange even that torment for anything in the world. I have not lived till now. At last I live, but I cannot live without her. But she, can she love me? I'm too old for her. Why don't you speak? I, I, what did I tell you? said Pierre suddenly, rising and beginning to pace up and down the room. I always thought it. That girl is such a treasure. She is a rare girl, my dear friend. I entreat you. Don't philosophize. Don't doubt. Marry, marry, marry. And I am sure there will be there will not be a happier man than you. But what of her? She loves you. Don't talk rubbish, said Prince Andre, smiling and looking into Pierre's eyes. She does, I know, Pierre cried fiercely. But do listen, returned Prince Andre, holding him by the arm. Do you know the condition I am in? I must talk about it to someone. Well, go on, go on, I am very glad, said Pierre, and his face really changed. His brow became smooth, and he listened gladly to Prince Andre. Prince André seemed, and really was, quite a different, quite a new man. Where was his spleen, his contempt for life, his disillusionment? Pierre was the only person to whom he made up his mind to speak openly, and to him he told all that was in his soul. Now he boldly and lightly made plans for an extended future, said he could not sacrifice his own happiness to his father's caprice, and spoke of how he would either make his father consent to his marriage and love her, or do without his consent. Then he marveled at the feeling that had mastered him, as at at something strange, apart from and independent of himself. I should not have believed anyone who told me that I was capable of such love, said Prince Andre. It is not at all the same feeling that I knew in the past. The whole world is now, for me, divided into two halves. One half is she, and there is all. All. And there all is joy, hope, and light. The other half is everything else, where she is not. And there is gloom and darkness. Darkness and gloom, reiterated Pierre. Yes, yes, I understand that. I cannot help loving the light. It's not my fault. And I'm very happy. You understand me. I know you are glad for my sake. Yes, yes, Pierre assented, looking at his friend with a touched and sad expression in his eyes. The brighter Prince Andre's lot appeared to him, the gloomier seemed his own. Alright, there we go. That's chapter 22 for you. Pierre. Is he what's, he. what's happening in Pierre's head here? That's what I want to know. Is he jealous because he loves Natasha? Is he just jealous because. Prince Andre is in love, and he can see that purity and that that um, wow, well, yeah, that feeling, that lusty, loving, obsessive feeling, and he's he's looking at the fact that he's stuck with a wife who is quite clearly having affairs left, right, and center, and you know he's in not any position to fall in love with someone. He's almost envious of his friends. You know, maybe not the fact that he's a widow, but the fact that he's free to fall in love. Poor old Pierre. Alright guys, there's the chapter for you. Have your say about it, and I will catch ya to Moz.